All right, what's happening, everybody? I'm Bob Wankel alongside Anthony Sanfilippo. And how about a little change-up to the uh, introductory music here today, Anthony? Taking me back to my college years, Bob. I love it. I love it, that 1993 uh, pregame music there. You're taking me back to about second or third grade (laughs) elementary school in uh, Blackwood, New Jersey with that one. But that's that was like the the intro that I remember. You know, you you come out of that and Harry Callis is like live from Three Rivers Stadium. It's the Phillies and Pirates. And, you know, like that was the one. So I actually came across that like last year and everything shut down on sports. And uh, I was just looking at like old nostalgic clips and stuff like that and. I put that in the back of my head. I said, you know, if we ever do a, a, a change up to the uh, to the theme and the intro music, that's going to be the way we go. So I like it. it Good is. call. Good call by you. If you're if you're under the age of, of I don't know, let's say 40, because like I, I'm a dork. So like eight year old me remembers that you probably have to be about 40 to really remember that theme song. So if you're like, what the hell was that? No, that's yeah. what it was. Yeah, yeah that's good. That's PHL good 17 throwback. So listen. We're now moving into the double digits of the calendar in March. And we were talking before the show about how a lot of the storylines on March 10th are the storylines that we saw on March 1st, right? Like a week and a half has gone by. We've got a a larger sample of games, but by and large, the battles are the battles. Some things have changed a little bit. Adam Hazley has been injured since the last time we talked, but Really, what we looked at a week ago is sort of where we're at now. And so what we want to do is take a little bit of a different approach to the show today. We're going to talk a little bit more about uh, predictions and and just really kind of the observations that we've seen early on, make some player predictions, things like that. And we're not going to get into the season. Yeah, our Philly's going to win 88 games. We'll save that for later on in March. But right now, I think it's a good idea to kind of just take stock of what we've seen so far and, you know, Give some takes on it, right? And so before yeah, jump into that, before we do jump into that, there is one thing I want to talk about. And uh, I, I don't know how many chances we're going to have to talk about this player on this show this season. And that player is Vince Velasquez. And <laughs> yesterday... Um, <laughs> he's, been like a, he's been a regular on this show. What he has been. But I think, I think that we may be running out of opportunities to talk about Vince. You know, so yesterday <laughs> he goes out. Uh, and pitches against the Blue Jays. First inning looks good. Uh, you know, he throws fastball up in the zone, overpowers a hitter. Came back in the second inning, nice little changeup, gets guys swinging. 14 pitch first inning, one, two, three inning, comes back out in the second. He throws 25 pitches. He loads the bases. Uh, he departs after only getting five outs, 39 pitches. You extrapolate that over 15 outs. He's throwing 120 pitches. It's just the perfect Vince Velasquez start. The pace slows down with runners on base. He loses his command of both his fastball and his secondary pitches. And then after the game, we get a very uh, open and honest and confident Vince Velasquez about how this is his last chance here. And he knows it. And he's ultra confident in his abilities. And if it's here in Philadelphia as a starter or as a reliever, or if it's somewhere else, that team is going to get a brand new pitcher that we should all be buying into. And so, because I've been talking a lot here at the top of the show, let me ask you a very simple question. Do you buy any of that? No. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, I mean, I look at his two, I mean, again, it's a spring training and you can't really take too much out of it, but I look at his two starts and it's emblematic of, of what Vince Velasquez is as a pitcher. He gave you a couple really nice innings against the Yankees in his first start. 
and you're like, okay, yeah, this guy can maybe, you know, maybe it's it's a, a fresh start for him. Maybe he's going to give you that, you know, those good outings. Maybe that, you know, this would work in the bullpen. And then he goes out and pitches against the Blue Jays and can't get through the second inning. And it's it's typical Vince. It's like there's so much inconsistency there that I mean, he could say, you know, be as confident as he wants and say all the good things that he wants. I, I can't see him being a, a reliable person to be in your either rotation or your bullpen for that matter uh, on a contending team. I think you mentioned it in a previous episode that Vince Velasquez is certainly an, a major league pitcher, but probably a guy who belongs on a 72 win team, right? As opposed to a team that's competing for a wild card or maybe even the division as the Phillies have uh, plans to do. Yeah. Joe Girardi was asked about Vince Velasquez uh, yesterday. He said, well, I'm sure Vinny wants to start, um, but you know, I guess we're going to have to wait and see. And then Joe kind of went into the the spin cycle a little bit. He goes, um, you know, if, if it were a regular season game, he would have had an opportunity to, to work out of the second inning and, and maybe he gets out of it and then maybe he settles down in the third, fourth and fifth. And it's a, a completely different outcome. And I'm like, well, that's a, that's a stretch, you know, like maybe he would have gotten out of trouble in the second inning where he couldn't command his fastball. Maybe I doubt it. And then, yeah, sure. He would have just bounced back and cruised through the third, fourth and fifth. To me, it's the same old Vince Velasquez. Uh, I think he's a decent guy. I enjoy listening uh, to him talk. I think he's very introspective. Um, he'll give reporters time, you know, that's all fine and well, but at the end of the day, we're talking about a guy that's made 99 starts for this team since he came here. He's appeared in 112 games he has a four, seven, five ERA. Uh, there's just no consistency whatsoever. He doesn't average five innings a start. And I know there's this idea and we've talked about this in 2018, 2019, 2020. And again, this year, I see it out there all the time. This idea of, if you just put him in the bullpen. And Vince Velasquez said yesterday, it would be nice to know if I had a set role. And I agree, being jerked, you know, jerked around between the bullpen and starting rotation is tough for a pitcher. And if maybe you just said to him, here's what you're going to do. You're going to stay there all year, embrace it, learn it, figure it out. But the problem that I have, there's this idea that, well, if you only give him one inning, that all of a sudden he can, he can really use that arm. He can, he can maybe add a little bit extra to that fastball. He can really just bear down for three outs and concentrate. And I think that's a totally bogus a concept. I mean, there have been plenty of starting pitchers that have struggled and have gone to the bullpen and have found success. But for me, the problem with Vince Velasquez is this. If you cannot locate your fastball in innings one through five as a starter and you can't pitch with guys on base as a starter, then explain to me how that translates in the sixth, seventh, eighth, or ninth inning, when you have runners on, you have tight games, high leverage, the pacing is going to be bad. He's still going to have a struggle uh, or still have struggles locating his pitches. It doesn't play. It doesn't play in any role in any inning at any time. You're, you're right. I mean, I can't, I can't sit here and, and even offer the devil's advocate argument, right? I mean, you know, do I think that it could play maybe as a long reliever? That's really it. Like, I mean, I like I think that's the only place it could play. No lo, low pressure, low leverage situations where he doesn't have to, you know, think about it too much. Just go out there and throw and give you two, three innings. You know, I think that maybe could be the one spot that he could succeed in. But I can't see him as a high leverage reliever. He doesn't work for me as a starter. 
And I'm I'm absolutely I'm still flabbergasted today that they re-signed him to a four million dollar contract. Yeah, and I know we talked about this in earlier episodes. If if Dave Dombrowski was here, would he have done that? And he was actually asked yesterday. I think it was by Tim Kelly. He said, <laughs> "Were you surprised that the Phillies brought you back?" You know, and that's what he went into this whole thing. And and he was actually asked in a follow up question by Jim Salisbury. You know, do you think it's possible that you're on this team next month? And I I think that's the money question because when you look at this. $4 million for starting rotation depth is, is a, a pretty hefty insurance policy. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what he is at this point. He is not going to beat out Chase Anderson. He's not going to beat out Matt Moore. Uh, I, I think if one of those guys were to struggle or get hurt, I think at that point they would probably give the ball to Spencer Howard before they gave it to Vince Velasquez, even though they want to limit his innings. And we've talked about all of that as well. So when it comes down to it, I, I believe that the Phillies – and Vince Velasquez would probably each be best served by my moving on and, and finding a place where he can kind of go and slot in as a number four or five guy and, and try to reinvent himself, just get that change of scenery. And I don't think that the city of Philadelphia or this organization has, has crippled him, but he did express frustration yesterday about having five different pitching coaches over the last five years and how he, you know, this past off season said like, it's gotta be me that figures it out. I can't, I can't, rely on the next pitching coach to come through the door and try to figure it out for me because there just there hasn't been that consistency and to this point it hasn't worked out so when I just look at Vince Velasquez forget the four million dollars or forget the fact that he he doesn't really naturally fit on this roster anymore he carries a four million dollar salary and he occupies an extremely valuable 40-man roster spot Mm -hmm. and that's particularly problematic this spring when you have guys like Watson when you got you know guys like Kinsler if you want to add a Matt Joyce um, as a pinch hitter and you know make him the pinch hitter extraordinaire in this team if you want to put Odubel Herrera on this team come opening day like you've got to do a lot of maneuvering on the 40 man and there are a couple lower level guys that I think they could sneak out of here and make it work you know when you look at the salary the lack of role occupying a 40 man spot to me, man, it, it makes perfect sense to move on from Vince Velasquez. And I think for Vince Velasquez, it makes a lot of sense, too. Yeah, and I, and I think that that's, that's what came from yesterday for me. That was, the, that was the takeaway, is that he realizes that he's ready to move on. I think that the team is recognizing that. I mean, they finally have somebody in place who realizes that he's not a fit in this organization. And, you know, I don't I don't know if you get anything for Vince Velasquez, if he's got any value whatsoever, probably not much at all, like a low level, low level minor leaguer. Right. Yeah. 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 But I think that the value of of clearing that four million dollars out is huge. It's huge. Yeah. You get into the middle of the season and you're talking about, hey, do we need an outfield bat? You know, is is Andrew McCutcheon going to hold up for 130, 140 games and be the player that we need him to be? We don't know that. Right. Center field right now. The first few days, it was kind of encouraging. Adam Hazley looked okay. Scott Kingery had a couple hits. Herrera was hot. Fast forward a few days, and all of a sudden, that doesn't look so awesome out there. You know, Herrera's kind of slowed up a little bit, which you expect. Scott Kingery looks completely lost. And we could talk a little bit about Scott Kingery before we get out of here today, but he's a guy to me that just looks mechanically a mess, mentally a mess. You can sell the storylines if he lost – he lost muscle mass and he's going to be gap to gap. Well, guess what? If the whole idea is that Scott Kingery is going to be gap to gap and rely on his athleticism and agility, his swing right now 
to me does not indicate that type of mindset. He's yeah. still trying to elevate. He's still, his timing's off. He's trying to lift. He's flailing open on the front and lower half with the swing. I mean, and, and we don't need to be major league hitting coaches to see this. Like go look at his swings yesterday. He swung through three fastballs sat 95 consecutively to open the game yesterday. Then he proceeds to strike out in his next two at bats. He's lost right now. And, and to me, that would be fine if he wasn't lost last year and lost at points the year prior to that. Like at some point it's got to click and I've run out of patience with Scott Kingery. Maybe he's a utility guy and he plays himself into a more important role, but Scott Kingery cannot be, cannot be your opening day solution. And you cross your fingers and you say, Oh, hopefully it'll just click because that is just not a smart bet right now. Yeah, you, you, so this was one of my three observations, okay? And it actually, Kingery almost became one of my player predictions, too. I, I took him out of that, but we can, we can I, if I can sneak in a fourth, I'll throw it in. But um, I, look at, I look at Kingery, and it's funny because when we, did, when we started this podcast in the uh, 2019 season, we, were, you know, we talked about Kingery just like everyone else as Dustin Pedroia. Yeah. Then in the 20. Going into the 2020 season, we sat here and said, well, you know, he's a utility guy. He could play all over the field. Would you be happy if Scott Kingery was Marwin Gonzalez? Right? That's what we said on the podcast. And we're like, yeah, we, we take that. Okay, he's not Pedroia, but we take Marwin Gonzalez. Um, now, <laughs> he's not even that. And, and I'm not sure. It was uh, Kevin Sefcik. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm not sure what he is at this point. And I'll tell you, um, uh, you know, Dombrowski likes Chatham a lot. I mean, he brought him here from Boston. Um, not to say that Kingery is going to beat him out. I mean, Chatham's going to beat out Kingery to start the season, but it's, I think Scott's going to be on a sh- short leash. I really do. And I think it's a situation where if he can't get it right quick, that he's I not, know, I know not going to be on a major league roster. I think I know some people in that organization like that Nick Maton too. Yeah, he can, well, he can play everywhere. That's the other thing about Maton, right? He so, can play everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I, you're not married to well. We need the versatility that he provides us. Like in years past, yes, like you could justify his existence on the roster just because you could play him in so many places. But now you have a couple guys who could theoretically come in and assume that role, and it's sort of other than the salary and what they've committed to him there really is no reason to continue to rely on Scott Kinger if he cannot provide you with any glimmers of hope. You know, I'm, I'm getting a little tired. I asked Joe Girardi yesterday about what he saw in those at bats. And, you know, he talked about lack of timing, working through mechanical issues, but like at some point, you know, those things need to be ironed out. And right. I know it's March 10th and you can't put too much stock in spring training, but I'm not looking at what I've seen over the last week. I'm looking at what I've seen over the last week, plus, 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 and and mm-hmm. that's the problem there, you know. So, uh, okay. That being said, um, let's let's kind of walk through and see where we're at with the roster. That that's what you know. One of our objectives today was yep. to kind of do a mid spring training, mid grapefruit league action roster projection here. And I think that by and large, uh, if you look at a twenty six man roster, I think that you and I are, are probably going to align on on twenty four of them. You know, uh, this is maybe even twenty five. I think this is pretty pretty clear yeah. um so let's just go through this and and uh you tell me your, your thoughts or if you have any objections or any considerations that i might not be be thinking about here so we'll start with the catchers because i think that that's that's as simple as it gets yeah jt romuto will be your starter andrew knapp is your backup so there's two guys right there yep 
Uh, first base, Reese Hoskins will be your, your first baseman. I would imagine that they could use Real Muto to give Hoskins a breather uh, at first and, and probably also play Brad Miller. Brad, Miller, Brad Miller can play there, yep. Some in the spring as well. Uh, second base, Gene Segura. Uh, you know, I don't really see any anything that would suggest otherwise there. Obviously, Didi Gregorius at shortstop, Alcboom at third base. So your infield going around uh, in terms of starters is, is pretty well set. Um, right now, uh, I will. Why don't we go with the utility guys next before we get to the outfield and the pitcher? Sure. Right now, I, I would say Brad Miller uh, for sure, and then I guess in spite of what I just said, Kingery. Uh, Scott Kingery would, it would probably be your other utility guy. Yeah, but again, I think it's one of those you're going to start, you're going to make this team, but boy, oh boy, you better, better show yeah, us something. Are you there April. on May 1st? You know, and yeah, I think yeah. that's what the question is going to be for Scott Kingery. You know, yep. I think they're going to give him just enough rope where it's like, hey, you had a tough spring. Maybe we can get you going once, once you reset the, you know, uh, the, the season here a little bit and get started in April, but I don't, I don't expect them to have a lot of patience with him. Right. All right. So that takes care of our two utility guys. And then let's go to the outfield. And this is where it kind of gets interesting. Obviously in left field, you're going to have Andrew McCutcheon start uh, in right field. You're going to have Bryce Harper start. That takes us to center field where, uh, you know, a lot of, of the attention has been focused on this uh, spring. I believe that Odubel Herrera is going to be the opening day center fielder. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, and the, and the reason for it is, is pretty simple. Uh, I think that the Phillies have grown increasingly uh, frustrated with Roman Quinn's ability to, to put the ball in play. Um, I think that Joe Girardi was really high on Roman Quinn last, uh, last summer. You know, when they went back to camp 2.0, I remember talking with you and saying, listen, I know everybody's like Adam Hazley, Adam Hazley. I was like, they like Quinn. You know, mm-hmm. and, and they did at the start and he had his moments, but then he had some defensive lapses, didn't hit very much, struggled to put the ball in play. And I think they've really soured on him. He's a guy that you get rid of and you go, damn, it's just a shame they could never quite make it work with him. But I think that they're starting to near that point. I actually wonder, I, I think he'll be on the team, Anthony, come opening day, but I wouldn't be stunned if there was some type of move with Roman Quinn this month. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, it's funny because it's funny you say that because I looked at it and said, um, I, I put Quinn down as the fifth out as the fifth outfielder. When you didn't even mention Matt Joyce. I think Matt Joyce makes the team. I agree. I was, yeah. was going to come to him next. I think that they value this year without the DH. I think they want a veteran type that can, that can know that role that owns yeah. that role. Um, and I, that makes some sense. Yeah. So, so Joyce is going to be coming off the bench as your fourth outfielder. And I put Quinn as the fifth outfielder, but then I put in parentheses next to him. I, I mentioned Chatham in that com- and not that he's going to play outfield, but that if you, if you carry Chatham as a, uti- as a backup infielder, Kingery kind of becomes the fifth outfielder right. in that, in that mix. So I, I think that that's a possibility too. I put Quinn in, but I'm not, I'm not sold on that being a guarantee for April 1st. Yeah. He's a guy that I was talking to, uh, you know, I was talking to Tim Kelly, uh, Phillies nation yesterday. And he's like, he would be the perfect Roman Quinn would be the perfect 26th guy on a roster where you're not relying on him to, to make a ton of starts, but you can use him as a defensive replacement. You can utilize the speed. He's got a little bit of pop. Like there's just enough upside there that you want him on the roster, but to lean on him beyond that, you know, mm-hmm. it was just it's just tough, you know. Um, so the one name I, I left off and I'm leaving off is uh, Mickey Moniak. And, you know, 
also I, I one of my three that. observations. God. I, let's not go too deep into it. <laughs> all I will say, all I will say about Mickey Moniak is that I don't think he's going to be there April 1st, but I, I do think he's coming. And Joe Girardi was asked about Mickey Moniak this morning on uh, the morning show with Angelo Cataldi on WIP. And it, he basically reiterated something that he's re, you know, he's said repeatedly to, to reporters throughout the spring, which is he's been impressive. You know, the power is not all the way there yet. I think the power is still developing. And, and by the time he's 25, 26 years old, it, it's going to arrive. Um, his pitch selection has improved. He's stayed on pitches against lefties. He, he's hit the ball with some authority. Mickey Moniak has been impressive. I don't think, though, the way this team's constructed in the win-now, ultra-competitive NL East type of situation layout that they're going to bring him up. And I think it's probably more important that they get him regular at bats for his continued development. Yep. He needs, he needs, he needs to play triple a. Yeah. For so a bit. Let's, let's leave him alone then if we have yep. more to say about him. But so, yeah, when I look at the outfield, I'm going Harper McCutcheon uh, Herrera as, as my starters. And then I do think that Roman Quinn right now uh, and Matt Joyce will uh, be on the opening day roster. So uh, I guess no disagreements there then, right? Nope. Okay. And then that takes us to the pitching side of things. Uh, I'll start with the starting rotation. You can obviously uh, lock in Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, and Zach Eflin. That leaves the four and five spots. I actually don't think that this is as much of a competition anymore as, as we are being led to believe it is. Uh, I think that Matt Moore is absolutely going to be this team's number four starter. Not only has he been impressive in both of his first two outings, he's filling up the zone, he's getting in on hitters, changeup looks good. He's a lefty, and uh -huh. this rotation could sorely use a left-handed starting pitcher. And so I, I think he's a lock. And then, you know, the fifth spot, I, I believe, is going to go to Chase Anderson. I've said that all along. Yeah, I, for now anyway. I mean, you know, I, I think ultimately you're going to see some Spencer Howard starts this year. I, it, there's no doubt in my mind he's going he's to start some games for the Phillies. Um, but I do think to start the season, because you have the option of sending Howard down um, and look, they wouldn't have signed more and Anderson to major league contracts if they weren't planning on having them be in the major league rotation. Yeah. Right. So those two guys are going to be, um, in the rotation and then you'll see Spencer Howard eventually. Um, but I think that you're, you're right. I think those are the five guys and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see where things lie May 1st. Maybe things might change then, but, uh, at least to start the season, I, I don't have any disagreements. And then that takes us to, uh, the bullpen. Right. Mm -hmm. And I got to say, uh, at this point, uh, Archie Bradley is a lock. Uh, Hector Neris, who was not very good yesterday against the Blue Jays, is, is still a lock, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, Jose Alvarado, they are just swooning over down there. And, and rightfully so. He looks good. You probably read the stories about how he you know, loves his mom's cooking, but he's, he's lost 30 pounds and, and yeah. all that. Um, so those guys are the locks. And then after that, first of all, I guess before we go any further, do you have a, you know, do you have this as an eight or a nine man bullpen? I have it as an eight. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Tell me who you have. So after, after those three guys, I think Kinsler is in, I think, even though he's, he's an NRI, I mean, he's pitched three really good innings so far. Um, and and I, I felt all along that he was a guy that when, once they signed him, to the contract that they signed him, you know, and, and he turned down the Marlins to come here to prove to, on a prove it contract that he was going to get a spot. Um, I think Tony Watson makes it. Um, I agree. You need a lefty, a veteran lefty in the pen. I mean, I know you got Romero who I think still is going to make, I have Romero making 
the opening day roster. Um, okay. I do. I do have Romero in the opening day roster. Uh, not so much as you know the, the late inning lefty guy, but a guy who can come in in you know lower leverage situations that's left handed. Um, uh, but Watson, I think, takes that spot. Connor Brogdon, I think they're yeah they're going to just go with him at this point. I mean, he had a great. 13 innings or whatever it was last year. Um, and then uh, uh, the last spot, this is the one that I struggled the most with. So I have real quick, I have, oh, okay. Is that including Romero? You've already established Romero's. I think Romero is seven. Okay. All right. I have, there's one more, there's an eighth spot, right? <laughs> which, which, which I haven't established yet. And I guess, I mean, that's the one we were talking about. Does Velazquez fit that last spot? And I guess if, again, if you're going for a long reliever for, you know, whatever, Maybe he does. I don't. I think that they're going to move on from him, and I'm not in love with the option of of David Hale in that spot. But I, I can't. I, you know, maybe that's the guy you go to at least to start the season. But I can't imagine that he lasts long in that spot because there are other players um, who I think could fit that bill. You know, I look at a guy like Coonrod, for example, um, who th- it was their fr- like the first move they made in the off season. But he's still got minor league options left, right? So you could send him down and then bring him back when you when you're ready and got, the kid can throw 100 miles an hour. So um, I think ultimately somebody like him, uh, you know, can get there. I think maybe after you know, I know he's had all kinds of issues getting getting into camp and stuff. But maybe a guy like Ranger Suarez, eventually once he gets his arm up and running, he could be in fit that role. Yeah, so he's uh, he's yeah. behind. Not only was he late to camp, then he hurt his his quad and yeah. And Judge already basically said like it's it's going to take some time to, to get him ready. So right, that's what I'm saying. So like eventually, I mean, he could be in that role too. So it's just kind of a to me, it's a it's a placeholder spot uh, until somebody else is ready. So that's how I had that. That's the so eight. That I. I and in agreement with you on Bradley Naris, Alvarado, Kinsler, Watson, Brogdon. Uh, those six I, I agree with. I actually yeah. I think we're starting to approach lock territory with those guys. Yeah. The the interesting element of this is that you have Alvarado and Watson from the left side, right? Yeah. So, you know, does Romero do you need Romero in this bullpen? And and he's a guy that that was very successful at the jump last year and then started to really struggle. And I, I just, I'm not quite as convinced about him. I get your rationale. That's, that's one that I'm not entirely sure about. You mentioned uh, Coonrod having the options, and, and that's the only reason why I'm a little bit hesitant to put him on the opening day roster. Though I got to tell you, I, I think he is. Um, okay. I do. And then that would be my seventh guy, and then this is where it gets really weird. Um I, I think that this team wants Spencer Howard to pitch in the major leagues. Uh, and I, I think I think that they're in a really difficult spot with him. Um, and, and for that reason, I'm actually going to put him as my eighth guy. And that's one that I, I realize if you were doing betting odds, like I would I would say it's actually a, a longer shot that he's on it than that that he's that he's not, but I just get this sense. And again, pure hunch. I feel like they want him up. I feel like they, they, after last year, they don't want to have to send him back down. I, I think they want to control his, his innings. Um, and I, I just think that they feel that the arm is live enough that he could give them big, important innings and be fairly successful in this role. 
Archie Bradley talked about being in a similar situation, how he was a starter early in his career and he converted to a reliever. And we, you know, had asked him, what is that like going back and forth? Can, can he start in the bullpen and then eventually work his way back into the rotation? Would that be that difficult? And, you know, the Phillies have downplayed that transition, you know, not to say that it would be easy, but to suggest that, yes, if you did it the right way, it wouldn't be impossible either. I just, we'll see. You know, but I just think they, they want him to face major league hitters. And, and I don't know that putting him at a satellite camp in April, you know, that would be certainly one way to limit his usage. But I think they want to get the, get the ball rolling on his development. Well, here's, here's the question that I have for you, okay? It, it, I'm going to just – here's where I'm going to play devil's advocate. All right, so we're moving on from Vinny Velasquez, right? We're, we're in agreement. He's not going to – Yeah, gonna try I know and, you're going with this. Okay. Yeah. All right, so you're going to get Velasquez out. If you need a sixth starter, yeah, who is it? Yeah, and and that does become that does become the issue. Now, you know, in that case, though, I, I think that you do have enough there where y- you probably can work your way out of it and say, all right, listen, if that if that were to happen, right, if we had to go down that road, it would probably take him, I would say, ten to fourteen days to kind of get geared up to give them, you know, a four or five inning start if, mm-hmm. if he's going to start as a reliever. I think that you can, you can kind of work it in. I mean, they weren't, they weren't hesitant to use bullpen games last year, sort of out of necessity at times, or, you know, over the last two years, I just think you can get around it. The, the thing is like, when we, when we talk about this, to say that Vince Velasquez is going to be traded again, like it's, it's my hunch. It's just like what I think, but it's not a foregone conclusion. And in fact, like, you had a bet on the outcome. Like, will Vince Velasquez be here or really not be here? Like, the, the betting favorite would be that he will be here, you know, like, yeah. so I'm not telling you, I'm not dropping any inside information on you. It's like, this is a done deal. He's not going to be here. I, it's just this, this vibe that I sort of get with it, you know? And, and so we'll see, I, I agree. I hear you. And, and maybe that's more just me selfishly wanting to see Spencer Howard in the bullpen. Like maybe I'm just kind of projecting what I think they should do mm-hmm. as opposed to what the reality of the situation is. But I do think it's in play. And, you know, Joe Girardi was asked about Spencer Howard specifically, and he says, you know, if we need to be creative, we will be creative. And to me, when he said that, he was basically saying, like, hey, we need to win games and we are going to do what we have to do in order to to win games. And he said, when it comes to Spence, (laughs) when it comes to Spence, we we might need to be a little bit creative. And, and to me, the antenna went up and said, this is a possibility, you know, and even if it doesn't happen, I think it's something they are giving serious consideration to. Yeah, it, so, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be, you know, a, a crazy idea. I mean, we go back through time. I mean, I'm just trying, I'm sitting here trying to think of, of guys who've done this when they were young players started out as bullpen pieces and then eventually became starters. I mean, guys who were expected to be starters started in the bullpen. And I think back to David Price when he was with Tampa. And I think back to uh, Adam Wainwright when he was with the, you know, at the beginning of his Cardinals career, you know, started in the bullpen and then they eventually made him the starter. Um, So, I mean, guys do that. This is not outside of the, uh, the realm of, of possibility. So, I mean, you you might be onto something there. I, I just think that if you're, if you're short, starting pitching depth and you know one of the things we keep hearing is that the Phillies are checking in on on other starting pitchers um, that are still kind of out there just kind of kicking tires because they realize they're they're going to need six seven eight starters over the course of a season then I I don't know if you want to put 
your top yeah, pitching prospect do that in, to that, top in that situation. Policy. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You know, and then you, when you look at this roster, though, what we've done here is we've added Odubel Herrera, we've added uh, Matt Joyce, we've added Brandon Kinsler and Tony Watson. And um, unless, yep. unless I'm wrong, I believe that's four guys that are not currently on the 40-man roster that you have to find a way on to the 40-man roster. Yeah, you would be correct. I think David Hale is, is, is one of them. You know, yeah, I think it, I, it, he's going to be one of them. And then that's where I come back to when I start looking around and they have some guys um, that, that if you really look at the 40 man that, that you could, you could potentially remove and, and, and sneak through and, and keep in your organization. So I don't know, you know, and I'm not going to start talking about the, the 36th through 40th guys on the 40 man that I think they might part ways with. I don't think that's entirely fair, frankly, to, to even speculate on that, but that's where I come back to, hey, you know, Vince Velasquez, hey, Roman Quinn, you know, are these guys that they might consider moving on from in order to free up these spots? And, and we'll see. And, and that's, mm-hmm. to me, really the, the only thing that's left to be determined uh, as we move through this camp. That being said, injuries happen uh, and, and they probably will happen. And that will certainly alter the dynamics of what we're looking at here. But uh, big picture, I think Odubel Herrera is, is – going to end up with a spot unless he goes into a, a three-week tailspin here yeah i agree okay um so the one other thing that we wanted to do uh is talk a little bit about our i i guess our observations or or predictions if if you want to call them that so uh did i have what was the uh, homework assignment that i gave you did i say you said three observations and three player predictions okay so let's do the observations first and we'll close with the predictions okay uh, lay it on me Lay it on me. What do well, you Well, we, we've already we, we've already touched on two, and I think one we've touched on pretty much enough. I don't think we need to rehash Scott Kingery, but I mean, I you know, my observation was is that he's as as lost as he was last year, and that he's going to have a a short, probably a short leash, um, which we already kind of dove into. So that was number one. All right, let me stop you right there. Here's number one. Scott Kingery is. I'm reading my notes. Scott Kingery is totally lost. Cannot hit the ball. <laughs> still opening up. Trying to do too much. Okay, yeah. so we, we're in agreement on number one. Number two, we've also talked about was Mickey Moniak uh, and how he's looked really good and, you know, kind of surprised a lot of people. Um, I, I, I the, the one thing I wanted to say about Moniak is, is I know that everybody soured on him quickly, but the, 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 there is a fact that the guy was going to be a first round pick regardless. Should he have been number one overall? Probably not. Um, but he was going to be a first round pick at some point. So you got to think that there is some talent there and it just took a little bit longer for it to arrive for Moniac. And this could only be a positive for the Phillies, right? That, that he's having a good spring. Um, maybe he goes down to triple a and, and really starts to light it up. And like you said, you know, there's a point in the season where he comes up here and, and is a contributor. Um, that's all good stuff. Um, but there's no way that in my mind that he could be a late entrant into a battle for a for a opening day spot. I think he needs regular at bats. He can't be a bench guy. Okay. Yep. Uh, along the same line, same position. Uh, I have written down here. Uh, Udubel Herrera presents the most upside in center field uh, for a team that needs to close the gap uh, on superior uh, superiorly uh, talented teams in the uh, division. Uh, this is probably what they're going to do. Uh, yep. You know, and and we can skip the morals conversation because I think that we've, we've covered that in, in quite a bit of depth. Uh, so I understand why people won't want to hear that. And I, I, I hear you. And uh, I, I guess I kind of agree with you, but um, I think that's where they're heading. 
All right. And what's your uh, last one? My last observation is an interesting one. Um, so far in spring training, um, there are 18 Phillies pitchers that have combined for 34 and a third innings without allowing an earned run. And most of them that are on that list are guys that are competing for the bullpen spot. Now, it's spring training. It's, again, small sample. A lot of these guys are one to two, maybe three innings at most. Um, the fact is, is that the, they're, that they're getting such early season production in, in spring training as, they, as guys battle for these positions. I think that the, it shows that the bullpen has no choice but to be not just better than last season, but I think significantly better than last well, season. Well, the Phillies bullpen be in the top half of the National League. I mean, well, I'll just use ERA. Let's just be yeah. Let's be old timey here. <laughs> uh, yes, I do. I th- I mean ERA is a tough one for a bullpen. I I like ERA better for starters than I do for a bullpen. Phillies but bullpen whip. be the, gonna... in the top half of the National League and whip. Yes. I think they will. I really do think they will. I think that it's a it's a it's a big difference between having a bullpen that averages what ninety two on their fastball versus ninety six or ninety seven on the fastball, like they that like this group does. I think that makes it big. There's a lot more swing and miss uh, out there on this bullpen, and so I think that the bullpen will be vastly improved. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm in on that. Uh, did I did I give you a third one? Oh no, my no. third one was just about Matt Moore. We already kind of talked about him. I think that Matt Moore is a solid lock as your number four starting pitcher. Uh, I think that's a done deal. Good. So, all right. Um, that being said, let's move right along here, and we'll close this thing out with uh, some predictions. I will go first. Yep. Bryce Harper, I think if you rewind to uh, last July when they started the season up, uh, I probably had a similar prediction, and I'm going to go back to the well with this. I think that Bryce Harper is going to finish as a uh, top five uh, NL MVP candidate. Um, I think that he was on his way to doing it last season, and then I think he hurt his back a lot more than than anybody uh, realized at the time. You know, I am not uh, the type of person that likes to make excuses for guys, especially when they're as well compensated Uh, as Bryce Harper is and carries the expectations that Bryce Harper carries. But I will give you this 22 games last year to start the season. He hit 343, 478 on base percentage, slugged 714 with seven home runs. He missed a game on August 21st against the Atlanta Braves. It was down in Atlanta. It was the day that the team traded for Brandon Workman. Bryce Harper was not in the starting lineup. And I said, that's weird. And from that point forward, over the next 37 games, Bryce Harper hit 230, had a 392 on base percentage, and slugged 467. Not terrible, but he was not the same player. We find out in camp this year that he couldn't really even throw a baseball by the end of last season. Um, presuming he stays healthy, I think that he's going to finish in the top five in National League MVP voting. Well, so my third prediction was that Harper finally has his MVP caliber season um, here. And and, and I made a change. Like that was, I was going to do something else there. um, But I, I, that was the one I went with. So I do agree with you. That was my, that was my third prediction that was going to come up. So it'll be, it'll be first here. I, in in agreement with you, I think Harper finally has that type of season. Uh, Go ahead. Lay lay, uh, the second one out there. My second one is uh, about Oduble. And I think that he's going to get, at least 400 at bats this season and be and and be a legit contributor to this lineup. Okay. 
You know, my in my mind, I always envisioned Odubel Herrera giving you like those like Shane Victorino type of numbers, you know, yeah. as he got older. And uh, I think maybe four years ago when they really sucked, I used to say like, if the Phillies were good, Odubel Herrera would be well-received because mm-hmm. you would like appreciate the production and you could put up with the, the stupid stuff, the boneheaded stuff. Right. Um, you know, like base running gaffes, mental lapses, things like that. Because Shane Victorino in a lot of ways was a very similar player. He just happened to be in the middle of everything and was a very key performer on teams that won a ton of games. Odubel Herrera's trajectory has changed since, obviously. Uh, he, he became a pretty below average player. Obviously, he was uh, going through some stuff. And then, then he did what he did in Atlantic City a couple years back. And so we'll see. I mean, I, th- I think he still has that type of talent. You know, so I, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. Like, I, I'm, I guess I'm with you on that. I think that he can contribute to this team. You know, I don't know what the numbers are going to look like, but I definitely think that, that he can be a valuable member of this team. Um, I'm going to go to Zach Eflin. I think I'm in love with Zach Eflin this year. This is my third one. All right. <laughs> so I'm just going to say this. And, and if you have been reading Crossing Broad, you probably know that I have developed a, a man crush on Zach Eflin. But – um, I was talking to him at one point, I guess it was after, uh, his, his first start He threw a side session over the weekend, but his first, uh, actual spring training action. And I said, you know, what goes into developing a pitch and, you know, you identified that you wanted your curveball to be better two off seasons ago. And it really was like, I think I have it written down here in 2019 opponents at 320 against his curveball with a 680 slugging percentage. Last season, they hit 120 against it with a 125 slugging percentage. It went from being a liability to one of the best pitches in baseball. And the craziest thing is, is that Zach Eflin put up career numbers across the board last year, and he did it while being terribly unlucky. Like When you look at batting average of balls in play, it was like 50 points higher than his career average. He lowered his hard hit contact. Like, Everything was better about Zach Eflin last year, except that when guys hit the ball weekly, they found holes with it. And so now he's talking about trying to add a changeup to the mix. And here's a guy that has proven that when he works on a pitch, he can get results with it. I'm up on Zach Eflin. I wouldn't be stunned. And to be honest with you, like I talk a lot with Jack Fritz and he sent me a text text message and he said, um, I think that, that Zach Eflin may have better numbers than Zach Wheeler this year, and I'm in agreement with him on that. I went one further. I have Zach Eflin as a National League All-Star <laughs> this year. Oh, oh, God. All right. Wow. Well, I think it's the kind of thing where I, I look at it and say, I mean, you got to remember, I mean, All-Stars are usually – um, you know, either the perennial guys or guys who are having a great three months, right? <laughs> so, and then, I mean, sometimes you're an all-star and then the second half of the year you suck. And at the end, of the, you go back and look at their baseball reference page and you're like, how the hell was this guy an all-star? And you got to go back and look and say, well, for, for two and a half months, they were pretty good. And then they, you know, came back to normal. Not to say that Eflin's going to have that kind of season, but I do think that he's going to get off to a really good start. And one of those, you know, he could be one of those guys who, when you're looking for, you know, to fill out a, an all-star rotation um, and all of a sudden you sit there and see Zach Eflin is, you know, six and two with a 2.8 ERA and say, 
wow, he's actually pretty darn good. Maybe we should get him on that all-star roster. I think that that's the kind of the kind of season that he's going to have. Um, in the end, is he is he going to have numbers that are more two three ish um, overall? I think so, but I, I I believe in Eflin for the start of the season that he's going to be better than expected and earns himself a National League All Star nod. Hey, even in years where his his overall numbers have not been good, he has put together six start stretches where where his numbers are outrageous, you know, and then it's followed up by a one and two thirds eight earned runs and then that inflates everything listen you can say a lot of things about us you can say we're negative uh you know we talk too much whatever one thing you cannot say about this show is that we are fanboys you know like we're not the guys <laughs> who are like Bryce Harper is gonna win MVP those are gonna win 120 games yeah. like, you know we're we are not those guys so pretty interesting that we seem to be on the same page with those and uh here's one that I don't think that you are going to have uh I don't know uh, who the Phillies closer is going to be. I assume it's going to be Archie Bradley. Uh, there are like four guys in this bullpen that have better pure stuff than Archie Bradley uh, for what it's worth. And I'm just going to say this. I don't know how things are going to start. And I don't know what the season totals are going to look like, but after July 1st, this is a, a bold prediction from July 1st onward, Connor Brogdon will lead the Phillies in saves. Mm. I like it. That is a bold prediction. So uh, that's that is a bold prediction. I'm going to go out on. I'm thoroughly impressed with him. That changeup is uh, is lethal. Uh, I think that this is a guy that's pitching with a lot of confidence. And if he's successful, uh, you know, in the in the first couple of months of the season, I think that he's the one guy. Like Alvarado has the stuff. Kinsler's had the experience, but I really just think that that he has the the total package and, and could profile in that role. And again little bit of a stretch maybe a little bit of a bold prediction but i wanted to put one uh going out on a limb a little bit here well all right well I'll, i had like i told you i had a fourth one that i was gonna wasn't really a player prediction that's why i, I took it out to put the harper thing in um so maybe i'll make this a bold a bold prediction um that the phillies will um for the trade deadline but maybe even sooner um add a, another veteran starting pitcher to bolster this rotation because to me it's the one spot where i mean look matt moore chase anderson that's fine hopefully they pitch great right um but maybe they could use maybe one of them pans out and the other one necessarily doesn't necessarily and they could use another another arm and i think that that if you you know, take the money that they've stayed under the the luxury tax. Maybe you move Velasquez's salary. Maybe you move Roman Quinn's money, like you talked about. Maybe you move Scott Kingery's money, um, and you end up getting a, a a real legit pitcher to come in and and make this rotation a real lethal one. I like that. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a team that's going to be active so long as they're within striking distance. You know, yeah. um, if they're six games behind the second wild card, come come mid-July, you know, I, I don't expect to see it, but if they have a chance and they size up this, this league and they say, we can do this, we can actually do this, uh, I could see them putting their foot on the gas and, and going for it here. Yep. Agreed. All right. Well, yeah. Hey, listen, I'm feeling good. I think if you were listening to this podcast, you're going, no, they think the Phillies might actually be goodish this year. Yes. <laughs> too. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what yeah. happens. I, I do ultimately think, uh, and we'll get to this in probably about two weeks or so, I do ultimately think that the, the Phillies are going to need some help. Um, 
from from their opponents, you know, and, and have some things not maybe go right for their opponents. But I, I do think that this is at the very least a, a team that that's going to be pretty exciting um, and, and it's going to play some pretty good baseball. I, I think. Yeah, well, I think uh, I'm comfortable saying that here on March 10th. All right. Well, do you have any one last things for me or anything like that? No, no. Okay. I did, I, you gave me homework. I didn't have time yeah, for one last homework. thing. I know. I said, hey, listen, like, <laughs> let's actually have a structure here so that we're not just planting <laughs> raving for 66 minutes. So yeah. I, I still think we went over the, uh, the the time slot that I was looking for. What were we saying? 30 or 40 minutes? We're probably, right. we're probably pushing 45 or something like that, but whatever. It's all good. All right. Well, for Anthony Sanfilippo, I am Bob Wankel. This is Crossed Up, and we will talk to everybody next week.